Welcome to the 10th, we're at double digits, Tuck, oh, man. episode of the Jack and Tuck pod. We had to pull a little bit of an audible. It is uh, Thursday morning, bright and early uh, for Tucker. Before 6 a.m., um, baby. Before 6 a.m. Um, it's rainy over here, uh, but I've had a miserable work week. Just, just miserable, and so that's what led to recording Thursday morning. But here we are. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about that? Uh, I don't no. know. If I, <laughs> it's just so much, and I, I'm. It would be better to just not say anything because if I say Great. one thing, I'm going to say it all. Uh, but always look forward to this. Always good to hang out with you, uh, and a great break from the real life that you and I have outside of this pod. Uh, But the NFL certainly delivered on giving us an easy conversation about what occurred, the weekend we're going into, and then a ton of off the field stuff that I look forward to getting into. So Tucker, how was your wildcard weekend? Well, I've received multiple texts making fun of my predictions from last week's pod. Yes. Which is, there's a silver lining. It means at least two people were listening. So that's good. Always the negatives, good. really appreciate that. The negatives are that the Cowboys won, which yes. is never good. I don't no. care. Like, if the Cowboys had to beat someone for the Eagles to get in the playoffs, even that is a gray area. That's how right. much I hate the Cowboys. Um, so. Wait, did you say if the Cowboys had to beat the Eagles? No, if they had to beat someone for the Eagles oh, to get it, in the playoffs, it would be hard ah, to root okay, for even that situation. Yeah. So I, I know we've covered this before, but I, I'm i not a big fan of players as I am the team, right? We covered that in length. But yes. I'm a huge fan of Tom Brady. <laughs> I, root, that, I root for greatness. I like watching the best. I was sad when Federer retired. Um, Tom Brady. You know, looking back on my looking back on my picks, yeah. we should have considered that he had one foot out the door in Tampa. The way that he walked out off the field, that, and yeah, I was just about to get to his press conference and just like the finality of what he was saying. And certainly, the speculation is out there: is he fully done, or does he just know where he's going? And it's not Tampa. I think you get a different type of energy and potential comeback if it's somewhere he is long term. I think he already knows where he's going. I think it's hard to say Tom Brady long term, but no, but you I certainly, mean, like you certainly think ago, that he's going. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Like, like the Tom Brady of old. I don't know. It just seemed like when he threw the pick in the end zone, it was over, and they were just so flat. Every chance that they had, like, coming out of halftime to go three and out, is like, oh, well, nothing has changed. Which was great, by the way. I don't know if you saw Peyton Manning say that halftime adjustments are the biggest myth in the history of sports. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, you go in, you have some orange slices, coach says, let's go, and you go back out there. (laughs) And and Eli was like, yeah, you're in there for three minutes. (laughs) Yeah, the NFL halftime is is so short. Except Um, for the Super Bowl. Except for the Super Bowl. Uh, but let, let's touch on the other games, right? Uh, you certainly were looking yeah. good in the first half of the Seahawks game, <laughs> but uh, that didn't end so well for your prediction. Overarching theme, I still come back to there's a lot of bad football. And Brock Purdy tried to give the Seahawks the ball four times. Yep. He, he was... I don't know, rusty, nervous. The first throw was indicative of the rest of the game. But, yeah, when you have Kyle Shanahan, you can make a quarterback look good. So he's dumping it off eight yards downfield to Debo, who runs 50 yards. And then he's throwing – he's elusive in the pocket and then dumping it down to a back that can score. And I don't know how – I guess credit to him for making it look as easy as it is. But, like, I don't know how Jimmy G couldn't do some of that stuff and if it's all just pocket mobility or what but like i don't know if that's just brock's 
inexperience at work that he's just a little bit happier to pull the trigger than ignorance is bliss right like he's just out there wheeling and dealing and throwing it and he's not really thinking about what a better option might be it certainly uh appears that jimmy is more of a a cerebral quarterback like he's Mm -hmm. a little bit more mechanical and going through his reads yada 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 but Yes, if you looked at his numbers, which the media certainly did, Brock oh, Purdy, like blew, so <laughs> blew Twitter up because of uh, touchdowns that he uh, threw. 330 he, yards. He ran for one as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so if you watch the full game, you might have a different opinion about how, you know, the quality of football that he was playing, but but the numbers don't lie either like it's not easy to throw for 330 and have four touchdowns however but then you when you watch it it kind of holes yeah right there are some holes so Um, it sucks because the cowboys are playing them next and i it but but the counterpoint to that and i i just heard this yesterday and i forget who said it it was some either fs1 or espn or some semi famous person <clears throat> but what you do is you line up use check McCaffrey Debo Samuel Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle all in on the same play and all you're doing is looking at how many DBs they have on the field and if it's not enough you throw it to one of those three awesome weapons or even McCaffrey out of the backfield or use check right. right and if they have a ton of DBs you run it and it's like I don't know how you stop their offensive personnel. It's pretty wild. They're and loaded. I understand you you could They're you loaded. could theoretically do that with a fullback and a running back and two wide yeah. receivers and a tight end for any team. But when they're all A players, yeah. it's kind of like giving Ayuk that because he was a thousand yard receiver, but right. Yeah, he's certainly not a one. He's a, mm-hmm. I think a lower end two, but it, it's kind of like, you know, Bill Belichick's defense always took away the thing that you want to do most, but the Niners just have fantastic other options if you want to take away their number one option. And it's then they like have they're the a best defense. Yeah, yeah and, and they have, they have the, the best defense. Look, they're hot. Who knows what the future holds for Brock Purdy. Um, look, the Niners put a lot of capital into getting Trey Lance. It'll be interesting to see how that unfolds this offseason, but I think that would be a huge mistake to do yes. Purdy long term. But yes. but they don't have to. Like he's he's a right. rookie, so they they have a lot of uh, flexibility there. But we've seen in NFL playoffs in the past that quarterbacks get hot, a la Joe Flacco, uh, Nick Foles, obviously, and this could be the hottest another run, just like that. Uh, and they'll be certainly playing True. the Cowboys, which we touched on. I think it hurts both of us to talk about them in a positive way, but just another game good I was football. wrong about. <laughs> yeah, they played good football Monday night and the Bucks look out of sync. They look like they lack leadership and kind of like a an identity. Like it's still it felt like they were getting it closer to the end of the year about who they were this year, but it it just kept unraveling and I, I don't think Todd Bowles is a head coach. I no, well, like I as think, a guy, but as a head I, coach, I just don't think he's winning you a lot of meaningful games. I think their identity for the majority of the year was we can't run the football, which is right. not a good identity, to a have. Good, especially in the playoffs. And so you have Tom Brady putting up gaudy numbers because he's throwing it 55 times a game, right? which can't be good either. So good for them for winning the division and that game against Carolina where Mike Evans had three go routes and yeah. that was all fun, but they, uh, they just, they were a below 500 team for a reason. And yeah. this always happens. Hindsight being 2020, especially when picking NFL games, but like the writing was on the wall that the Cowboys yes. are good and the Bucks aren't. But we just well, thought the, the Tom uh, Brady magic would. Yes, the tale of overreaction from the Cowboys losing to the Commies the week before. Uh, 
I speculated, look, it was a road game that, yes, there was a path to the one seed, but I don't think those guys really wanted to be there. They, there. <laughs> yeah. they just didn't want to be there. Um, they wanted to get ready for the playoffs. But kind of moving forward, uh, Jags, Chargers, wild. That was uh, wild. Smith was there. Oh, that's aw- that's awesome. Really, Smith was there with his dad, which is really awesome. Yeah. Um, Twenty-seven, nothing. It was like when they scored right before half. Yeah. I, I think every everything. every game has a make or break point, yeah. and I texted one of my friends who made fun of me during the Cowboys Bucks game. There was a third and eight around midfield when it was still like a one or two score game. And I said, this is the game. If the Cowboys pick this up, they're going to score again. I think I, and then it's yeah, over. I think, or, or did the Cowboys have the ball or did the, yeah, Bucks have the, the Cowboys ball? had the ball. Okay. It was third and eight. They converted it, went on yeah. to score another touchdown and it was over. And the flip side I of that remember, was the Jags. Yeah. And it's like, if they score here, we have a game, even right. though it was still a 20 point game. It was like, if they score here, it's feasible and they did it and take it one play at a time. And my takeaway from that game, or I guess my hot take from that game mm. is that when you throw picks multiple early on, it's almost easier to settle in. And it's the same thing in golf when you like bogey the first four holes and yeah, then you I happen to make a bunch of birdies later. Whereas if you didn't bogey the first four, you probably would have just made a bunch of pars. And it's like Trevor Lawrence flipped the switch and went from four picks to four touchdowns. And I just think that combination and that comeback, it was like a once in a lifetime type thing. I don't know how many more 27 point comebacks you're going to see in your life in the playoffs. Well, I think. Yeah, there's a lot to unwrap there. So. (laughs) <laughs> it obviously for Trevor Lawrence, he was able to use that in a positive way. Kind of like oh yes, yes. Pumping it OB on the first off the first key box and then settling in. But like the week before, the commanders had that pick six and then they had the fumble on special teams. Like the game was over early and it was hard to get that spark back up. And for the for the Cowboys in that game, but you could just kind of tell that the Jags didn't like lose the commitment to the game. You didn't see like this. And where does that come, come from, Jack? Head coaching. Where does that come from? Head coaching. And so Dougie P. Yeah, and I said last episode that Trevor Lawrence is playing at an elite level with the leadership of Doug Peterson, and Justin Herbert is successful in spite of. Brandon Staley, and lo and behold, what happened? That exact thing played out. Brandon Staley's keeping his job, which makes no sense to me. But apparently, the job. No, and I I think Herbert advocated for him, which is well interesting. Justin Herbert seems like a (laughs) really nice kid, Uh, but from what I heard, the Chargers' ownership is in some legal issues, not to the Daniel Snyder level but um just that could be why they're not changing a whole lot from a financial commitment standpoint from the team and um certainly going after a big name would be a a big commitment but i just think they're going to waste waste justin herbert uh if brennan staley's there justin herbert isn't going to be successful in the playoffs they might get there but i I just don't see it I, i i don't believe in him and that's exactly what played out you can't lose that game. They they were up what twenty seven to nothing, and then twenty seven seven. Two things happened. Doug Peterson's interview right before half kind of struck me. Now, caveat to that is I think the sideline reporter is the most useless job in America. It, it <laughs> so is does, a so does, total waste of time. They never bring me with you. Yeah. anything that enhances my viewership. Nothing, but they're there. However, Doug Peterson, after they scored that touchdown, which I do believe was significant to get to 27-7, just had this like sense of calm, confident commitment going into the half. That was just like, yeah, that that that's what a successful head coach looks like. Been there, done that. 
big yeah, and, there, and, that stuff. and boom. Um, wild. I'm pretty sure I picked the Chargers. Wildly entertaining. Like I got that one wrong as well. I don't, to be honest, I don't remember. I just remember saying Justin Herbert is successful in spite of Brandon State. Yeah, I don't, they, so they you said you can't lose that 20 game. sometimes and ran at seven when they were up big. Like, I, I don't He's, remember the exact uh, differentiation in, in play calls from a passing to running perspective, but they just kept passing for no reason. They're such a weird franchise because so it's weird. been the same thing since Phillip Rivers. They're always yes. good. And yet they never win playoff games. I don't you know. Go back to, you can go back to Marty Schottenheimer. Yeah, I don't. Marty and, and Drew Brees and Drew then Phil Rivers. Like, yep. like years of just, I don't know. I don't think people really of, care about the Chargers. No, like no one Connor Walters is a Chargers fan. He's the only one I know. Yeah. Um, But if they had fans. I bet they would not be thrilled with the last 25 years. It's almost like the, uh, it's almost like Green Bay. You get Favre and Rodgers and you get two Super Bowls out of those 40 years. Yeah, but that's certainly a lot more than what the Chargers have (laughs) gotten over the last 40 years. Um, We both picked the Vikings. I was going to say, you want to move on to another game I got wrong? Yeah. (laughs) But... (laughs) Uh, another wildly entertaining game. Um, I, again, Daniel Jones numbers were incredible. I just think if you watch him as a quarterback, you see more of the system helping him be successful. A la Dable, not necessarily his sheer talent winning the game, but for cousins. Yeah, I will say this to him. He's got no receivers. None. That is a great, that's a great point. So he has Saquon, but he's got no receivers and he's yep. got a good coach and he played, I, I thought he played significantly better than Brock Purdy. Uh, yep. un- unfortunately, Dak also played well, but yep. those three kind of stole the weekend and then Burrow, the Bengals game was ugly, but he was the only reason they were in it. So I was just going to say, um, Kirk is like the biggest dweeb ever. Like he's just so easy to make fun of. And if you, again, you look at the stat line, not really his fault that they lost. However, (laughs) however, except it was fourth and eight. Yeah. The pass on fourth and eight, throwing a three yard out route to TJ Hawkinson. (laughs) It's just the most Kirk Cousins thing ever. And, I oh, love man. I love how someone pointed out that it was like the least agile person on the field for the Vikings. Right. Like if you're gonna throw three yards to I don't know Dalvin Cook, maybe. Yes. But in the flash, maybe like, <laughs> blockers, nothing. Yeah. No, he just he threw it right to a guy that had a another a defender just draped all over him, and he was like, ah, oh, shucks. That that yeah, that is what he would do, and and yeah. he falls into the. Wilson Wentz camp a little bit about some other things and, and their yeah. leadership styles. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I feel bad. Like I feel bad for him. I think he's like, a nice sucks. guy. I don't think Wilson and Wentz are nice guys. I think Kirk I, is I, a nice I, guy. Yeah. Um, but at least a genuine, was anyone nice afraid of the Vikings? No. And, and that's no. another thing. Hindsight being 2020, they were frauds all year. Right. And it was predictable. But obviously, we knew all this stuff, which is why Vegas sets the lines at so close. And the margin for error and the line between being right and wrong is so thin. But one thing I took away from this game do you think Saquon is the best running back in the NFL? No, I think it's Christian McCaffrey. Right. But sometimes. I watch them both, and like McCaffrey's really good at falling forward and having positive plays as opposed to negative, and not always swinging for the home run, even though he had one right. in the the playoff game. But like Saquon's body and the way that he runs, it's like when he's when he's on, I think he's the best. Well, and that 
So McCaffrey's like the new age running back, mm-hmm. right? So from a strictly running back perspective, yeah, I would say Saquon is a better running back than Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey's the very much 2023 idea of, of a running back where mm-hmm. uh, Derrick Henry is your old school running back. Um, He's like, Derrick so there's Henry's a probably the best back in the league. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, like a strictly running back perspective, I'd go Derrick Henry. Yeah, Saquon. Saquon is a little bit in between that traditional running back versus what Christian McCaffrey can do. And then kind of Austin Eckler is in that discussion yep. as well. Um, the one I can hit you hit you both receive you know receiving and running um but he's but like i said i mean it's also no like a running back so he's gonna fall off a cliff at some point no absolutely but for this year i i think he was their most valuable player i think he's the only reason they are where they are right i think he yeah. i think he teams load up the box and yep. give Daniel Jones a chance because they're scared of Saquon. And then he also does catch some out of the backfield, like you were saying, a little bit hybrid. Yeah. But it's um, not like his, he's not like Chris McCaffrey is as good a running back as he is a wide receiver, where Saquon is definitely more of a mm-hmm, mm-hmm. running back than a receiver. So the, but I also think, yeah, they like line McCaffrey up in the slot and yes. say go run a route. Yeah. Um, I also think they have a wide receiver that they pulled off the Buffalo Bills practice squad and Isaiah Hodgins that yes the only reason I know him is because of DFS you started him. He, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna yeah. Say, hey, you started him before and it's like he's always so cheap but he had I think six for 105 and a touchdown if you yep. look at him you're like yeah that's what a NFL wide receiver looks like yeah and he's he's a you just don't know the name yet so he, he reminds me a lot of Gabe Davis where like no one really knew who Gabe Davis was and then he had the big three touchdown game in the playoffs. And now it's like, oh, it, it's Gabe Davis. So I, I think Isaiah Hodgins, and I certainly hope his first name is Isaiah. Yeah, it is. It but is. like next year, everyone's going to know, oh, Isaiah Hodgins. I'm not saying he's a, a top end no, wide receiver, but he's a, he's, a, he's a football player. So I don't know if you have anything to say about what is, are, are we on to the last game of Bengals Ravens? Did yeah. I miss one? No, no, no. That, that was. I mean, the only thing. No, no, no. We missed. Game, we missed one. The Bills almost lost. <laughs> Frauds! Oh my God, Josh Allen. You don't just believe gives the ball. He just gives the ball away. Yeah. He now has more interceptions than Dak, and he has the most fumbles in the NFL. He's turning so, the ball over at an alarming rate. <laughs> um, they can score with anyone, so I think that's why they're still seen in the media as they are like if they they can get in a shootout and they can keep up with kansas city obviously so i think they get a lot of forgiveness from bad and and kind of sloppy play because all of a sudden they can score three touchdowns in a very short amount of time but i I think i was listening i can't remember who i was listening to yesterday oh um i think the bills beat reporter was on a local sports show here and he said that Sean McDermott needed like more time after the game before he had his press conference than typical it was like almost 30 minutes or something like that and then he still was like at the podium with like clenched jaw and just like so tight and because he was pissed or he was emotional about DeMar no I think because he was just pissed and stressed about what that game yeah. could have been given them letting Skylar Thompson Good. and the Miami Dolphins yeah. make that a game until well into the fourth quarter. No, I, that's understandable. Um, yeah. Josh Allen is the Nikola Jokic of the NFL in that comparison. He, he gets the media love. Yeah. Most of which is deserved sure but but what the way that i see them similarly is that when they have good to great games when josh mm-hmm. allen throws for 350 and runs for 60 and has four touchdowns the media portrays it as if he does this every game this is what josh allen does this is what nicole Jokic he gets 35 11 and 12 every game and 
Jokic is a little closer, but like there's a reason he averages 25 and not 35, and that's because he has games where he has 15. And with Josh Allen, it's like there are games where his completion percentage is 50% or or like 55%, right. and that's why he doesn't do this every game. And they just ignore those bad games. That's how I think they're similar, is that the media just ignores their bad games. Right. But now, at least with Allen and the turnovers, it's gotten to a point where they have to talk about it, and they like reluctantly throw it in at the end. Yes. They're like, well, he does turn it over. We'll see what happens on Sunday. And it's like, no, right. that should be the main story, that the guy – this team might be winning in spite of their quarterback leading the NFL in interceptions and fumbles. That, and yeah, and it's that's wild. and that's not that's not a fact because they're in a lot of games because of him and that so that's why I say most of the love is deserved but they just I I can't stand these guys that the media latch onto and just ignore their faults. And that that's how I see it. And I, I, I don't hate Jokic. I hate the Embiid-Jokic debates. Right. But I get, I get really sick of, of nobody mentioning their bad games or their flaws. And if yeah. Josh Allen wasn't flawed, he would be the best football player of all time. Yeah, he, like he, yeah, his ceiling, just because of yeah. his physical nature, certainly could be higher than Patrick Mahomes, which is like it, harder, which hard is to the even only say. person ever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. I just get, the bills are on a ton to kind of what you're saying is like, they just get a lot of press now. And I also feel like they have a lot of national games or I just feel like they play at a time, either if it's Sunday or whatever. I, I see a lot of bills games, whether it's red zone or, or whatever. But what I'm saying is he is going to fall off a cliff. And well, and he, and I the think... hits he takes are brutal, and it just reminds me so much of what Cam Newton was doing when they made that Super Bowl run. And then if you remember that next year, look, Josh Allen's a better thrower of the football than Cam Newton, so I think his uh, timetable could be longer if he doesn't get hit. Um, but is their throwing motion, like, I... he can throw it further. Uh, right, but I think they're, that they're, that so so here's the thing. You say he's going to fall off a cliff. I almost think it's regression towards the mean. If you right. look at if you look at his completion percentage for his entire career year by year, yeah, they talk about Hertz like he had this. They call it an Allen esque rise in completion percentage, but mm -hmm. it's not like he's kept going. He is starting to go back down right. towards the fifty eight percent that he was or whatever his, I just pulled that number out. It might be right, but it's yeah, yeah, around yeah. there his first couple of years. And not good. No, not good. And he had, was it last year where he started or was it two years ago where he started getting all this praise? I think it was, it was probably two years ago. Well, either way. So he had this 60% yeah, yeah. or something year yeah. and it's like, Oh my God, he figured it out. And then he starts right. going the other way. And so, yes, I agree. Well, it will fall off a cliff from his peak, but I think it's just who he is, is where he's headed towards. I think he's immortal. Yes. I understand and what Mahomes you're saying. Mahomes is not. I think and he's immortal and Mahomes is not. So I think the only difference in what we're saying is you're, you're saying his passing ability is going to come back to the mean, where I'm saying that his ability to be successful as a quarterback is very much related to his reckless play right now. And if you take okay. that out, because the ability to run is going to fall off a cliff, but he's going to get hit. I know he's six, five and he's enormous, but Cam Newton at some, like couldn't run anymore the way that he used mm -hmm. to. Right. And what I'm saying is that his reckless play and the hits that he takes, no other quarterback yeah, takes hits like right. Josh Allen. And if you, at some point, he's not going to be able to do that. And if he's solely relying on his arm, then I would agree more to you that we're going to see him kind of come back to the mean of above average play. I just remember when after the Super Bowl run that uh, the Panthers went on, they played Denver, who they lost to in the Super Bowl, yeah. that next year in Denver on Thursday night, and he got hammered 
in the head and it wasn't called. And I just remember watching it and being like, he just takes hits as a quarterback that no one else does in the league. And I see so many similarities between that and how Josh Allen is playing right now. And at some point, you're not going to get up as fast. Mm-hmm. And so then no, what I, kind of quarterback is he going to become? We'll wait and see. Not, so so Smith uh, likes to say that Josh Allen is the best deep ball thrower in the league. There is no statistical evidence of that. There's no eyeball <laughs> test of that. He doesn't have the most 20-yard in the air completions. He doesn't have the most long right. touchdowns. Like He can throw it really far. That's yeah. his thing. It's not that he can throw a 30-yard go-route yeah. timed correctly. It's right. like he, when the play breaks down, he can throw it 60 yards down the field. Whereas Hertz has all these timed go-routes where he's just snap, taking a two, three-step drop and throwing it, and then Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown are running under it, which is how you actually throw the deep ball. Um, so I, I think that has a lot to do with and they made the comparison, you know, Daniel Jones had that like behind the back handoff. And it was like, if Patrick Mahomes did this, then <laughs> yeah. the internet would go, if Twitter would explode. And I, I don't use this word in my regular verbiage on a day-to-day basis, but Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have a lot more swag than Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts right now. From a how they run Nobody around. Nobody has more swag than Jalen Hurts. Nobody has more swag. No, but swag from what I'm Jalen saying Hurts. is, how, I'm, but I know yes, what you mean. From a off the field it's... swag standpoint, yes, Jalen Hurts is way up there. But from that's, an on the field, get, that's how you get the Jokic thing. Is because it's the same thing when when Jokic does something that a bunch yes. of other people do, he gets all the media love for it. Right. There was a pass going around like, oh my God, I can't take it with it. Jokic is passing. He's too good. And it was yes. like some no look where he almost threw the ball out of bounds and Aaron Gordon made like a ridiculously athletic catch. Just never mind. Whatever. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting wrapped <laughs> up in this because Embiid That's is awesome. scoring 40 a night and whatever. Right. So, um, but what I'm saying is like they're on the field play just has a I see what you're saying. Yeah. viewership attention. Like Jalen Hurts is like this big physical guy that when he runs it's not a whole lot of like flash it's just like no he's got one move where he sticks his right foot in the ground and cuts back left and that's that's it and you know he runs downhill and i think Mm -hmm. he almost throws the same way right like yes quick quick um drop back timed route boom it's out of his hand he's throwing downhill he runs downhill where mahomes and allen like run around yes and, yes, and yes. it's a lot more entertaining because in a lot in a world where TikTok, twitter clips are from games are constantly taken and then shared you're going to get a lot more eyes on what how mahomes and allen play than first it makes sense no what you're yeah. saying makes sense uh um, so i i agree with that last game Bengals ravens um, I think it was a close game. I think divisional games are always close, but Bengals are clearly the better team. I said it last podcast that mm-hmm. I would not take the points. I would take like stay away from that. And Ravens would have covered, but Bengals were going to win the game. Um, it was a, a lot closer than even the score indicated, given how they scored their last touchdown, which was just. I mean, good Lord, what is Huntley doing? Clearly that play was not called for him to jump because he had Andrews and I think Edwards coming up to push him from behind. And it's not like you're going to push someone up and over. So, No, uh, yeah, that was inexperience, I, I yes. think, in trying to make a play. But that's really the only... I agree with your point about divisional games and the Bengals being the better team, but like the only takeaway from that game is one play completely changed the game. And 100%. that's not always the case. No. But in this game, like 
the Bengals still very well could have won, even if yep. the Ravens scored there. Yeah, but it was it was really over when they did what it was they really did. over. Um, um, but I think from a entertainment standpoint, the game was certainly fun to watch. But it's the Ravens are more interesting off the field right now. So I don't think we need to dive into that game a ton. Um, but it, all signs are certainly looking like Lamar is like ready to leave. And I'll believe it when I see it, but it's pretty fascinating to watch. Um, but I think we should get into division. Like we could have a whole conversation well, about yeah, that. Yeah, so we could, we could, I guess, I mainly want to talk about Eagles Giants, but right. in so terms of I, in terms of divisional, I will yeah. say this about the Bengals. Sometimes a bit of a stinker in your first playoff game can serve you well. The yep. Eagles squeaked by the Falcons uh, yep. in 2017 and then proceeded to blow the doors off of the Vikings. Right. And then scored 41 in the Super Bowl as well. So mm-hmm. I think they're even more dangerous now. And I think they're going to beat the Bills. Yeah. Um, which obviously I'm rooting for because <laughs> I don't want Josh so, Allen yeah, anymore the, uh, on my Let's get to the divisional matchup because the wild card weekend is really entertaining, but and there's still a lot of games to watch. But the quality of play, like the excitement for wild card weekend, kind of takes it takes you through. But now it's like the quality of play is really high, and you still have a lot of games to watch. And I think you texted me this, but your confidence level is at a hundred out of ten. I, I, I know a, a few Giants fans, and it's taking everything in me not to just like laugh all week. They have no chance. I understand that they played really well and that Daniel Jones looked really good, but you cannot overstate what playing a playoff game in Philly is like compared to a normal place with normal people. We are not normal. And I don't mean we're better than everyone. I mean, we're worse people than everyone. And they put it at 8 PM on a Saturday. Right. So everybody is going to be tailgating from 5 AM until 7 30 PM. And it's just going to be raucous. And I think we have a guy at our quarterback position who has a head on his shoulders that can handle that. I would agree. And I like Daniel Jones, but I don't. I, the, the Giants haven't won in Philly since 2013. Interesting point. I also think uh, what the Giants did on Sunday is a little overblown because the Vikings' defense is like almost historically bad. So <laughs> going, so and that's what like going from the Vikings away with a historically bad defense and a quarterback that no one has trust in to a guy like Dalen Hurts, who certainly has a stranglehold of this offense and how to operate it. And the Eagles defense is just better than the Vikings. Hands I, I, down. And, and, the, and all the Giants fans are confident. Even Fireball, who's a Cowboys fan, is like, I think the Giants are going to win. Well, yeah, they're like the sexy pick right now because... But there's a reason that the Eagles are seven and a half point favorites. That is right. so much. We were just talking about how the the yeah. level of play is different. And to have a seven and a half point spread in a divisional round is huge. Yep. And that's what we, so I think I, that's what we touched on with the Bengals Ravens. And that was eight and a half. Yeah. And that was wild card, but still divisional. And yeah, but it kind of goes the other way this, in the, how we're making this argument because the Ravens obviously kept that close. But what you're saying is, this is not going to be close, even though it is. What I'm saying is that, what I'm saying is that I'm my confidence level is a million. But right. if they lose, I might be. I might never do another podcast. I might never be seen again. Like You're gone. it, I might go visit Cliff Kingsbury in Thailand. <laughs> Ever been to Thailand? <laughs> I have been to Thailand. I know you have. <laughs> that, was my, that was my first time out of the country. It was what I got my passport for, and it was about as far away as you can go. Pretty far. That's for another a, episode. Yeah, we can talk about my layover in Abu Dhabi in another episode. Sure. Uh, 
other divisional matchups. Uh, Cowboys Niners is also Saturday, right? Now this one, I'm not as excited about. No, no, that'll. They it's one of each. AFC and NFC. Oh, that's right. They're playing day. Sunday. Oh, and that's why are they? They're playing Sunday, right? Yes. Yeah, because the Cowboys are are pissed that the Niners Wait, are getting two extra up. days. I thought they were Saturday. No, they're Sunday. They're the last game. Okay. Um, but just like my confidence level is very high in the Eagles, I'm worried that the Cowboys have a chance. I know, me too. Now, we might both be falling into the same trap that everyone fell into after the Commanders game, which is your previous week influences this week. Yep. And just like the Bengals had a I just said the Bengals having a tough game might be good for them. Yep. Could it be that the Cowboys played their best game already? Or did they just play a bad team and did what they I should think, do? I think they played a, a, a really bad team. I think when the Cowboys have the right matchup, they could be seen as a very good team. I'm just not picking against the Niners right now. No, we just talked about like you line up those five guys and then you have the yeah. best team and the best defensive team in football. Um, but I can't say that objectively. Well, sorry, sorry. So for the record, are you picking the Eagles? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're both on the Eagles. Yeah. You're saying you're picking the Niners. Yeah. I'll pick the Niners as well. Yeah. I hope I hope it's a blowout. I think Me it's going to be close. Yeah, I, I just love when the Cowboys look terrible. It's just so enjoyable. It's hating the Cowboys is almost as fun as loving the Eagles. Sure. And it's not fun when the Cowboys, it would not be fun if the Cowboys made the NFC championship unless it was to come to Philly and they lost in Philly. Yeah. I mean, in that, which case, that that's, a, that's awesome. a dream scenario. I can't even think about what that would be like. I don't know what it that's a good transition because we just talked about the two NFC games. Three out of the four teams are NFC East teams. Never happened before in any division. Pretty wild. The fourth team is a pretty distant fourth. I mean, you guys had a, a decent record. From a record But you've got like eight weren't. active lawsuits. Yeah, I, I saw that tweet as well. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> four teams, it was, yeah, it's. Divisional matchup, divisional matchup, divisional matchup, space, 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 eight investigations and process to sell the team. Um, but let, let's finish the divisional matchups before we touch on uh, the sorry, counties. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I think the Bengals win. I think the Bills have a lot going on off the field that they can use to their advantage. But I think at some point it can also go get like a little exhausting. It, it's a lot of coverage and, and understandably, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, um, but that's a lot to live up to. And I think you can get tight faster, given that you're playing with this heavy. It's not really a heavy heart anymore, but I think you understand what I'm saying. I think no, the Bengals, they, I just think the Bengals are good. They actually get to play at home because of that result. I know nobody is questioning. How, oh, yeah but nobody can question what they did by stopping the game. And oh, it just 100%. happens. It is. We are where we are, but yeah, I think the Bengals anyway, are yeah. more. The Bengals are built for playoff wins more than I think the bills are. And I'm going to pick with my heart over my head and I'm going to say the Bengals also, I, I don't want to get texts making fun of me going over four or whatever, but if Josh Allen wins, then he probably has to, well, then he does have to play Mahomes because I don't think you're going to pick the Jags, right? No. So it looks right. like we're going to be on the same. We're going to probably lose all of And it's all, it's all chalk, right? We, just, all, we yeah. just picked all the favorites. Are the Bengals um, favored? Oh, no, they're not. So yeah, they're we do on have the one dog. Yeah, one dog, yeah. the Bengals. Um, I the Jags have had a successful season. They're they're playing with house money going into Kansas City. Um, I think Trevor. And Lawrence, I guess that's a little dangerous when you when we just oh, praise Doug Peterson when you have Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence playing with house money. 
going up against his boy, Andy Reid, too. No two yep. coaches know each other better than those two, right? At least who, from who's remaining. Um, look, the Jags Doug are Peterson, fun to watch. When Doug Peterson worked for the Chiefs, he had an affair with a, a woman in the office. I don't know. Sorry, Doug, if everyone doesn't already know that. Well, and, and I'm breaking said, news to, yeah, to the. This is not you. These are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's. I don't even know where to go. Some, like, what a, what a curveball you just threw me. Yeah, he'll probably get some home cooking from her. <laughs> so, <laughs> are you going with the Jags? No, no. Put your money where your mouth is. Come on. My well, my my money is where my mouth is in terms that I think I've said on this podcast. Patrick Mahomes is the best football player I've ever seen. Yeah. I I was there. I was old enough for Tom Brady's prime, and Aaron Rodgers prime, not Dan Marino, who I think has an argument when you talk about the way the game was played then and the numbers that he put up. But I would never, ever, if the Eagles play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, I will not be confident. (laughs) And if they play the Bills, I would be confident. Right. Um, I think. I think Jacksonville has hit their ceiling, which is nothing to scoff at or kind of roll your eyes at going into this game. They're playing good football, and I think they will make a game of it. Um, I think just from the top-to-bottom talent standpoint, the Chiefs are just in a different level, a different tier. Uh, Jags are up and coming. Without getting – so we've established our picks – we're yep. picking the same four teams, one of yeah, which no, is an underdog. We're probably without getting without getting too far ahead. I do have a hypothetical yep. question for you. So, sure. if you moved away to I don't know any other city with a major stadium, but you were still rooting for the Commanders, and the Commanders were making moves in the playoffs, and it's yep. like, oh, they might make the Super Bowl in the city that I live in. Right. How much money would you be willing to pay for a ticket to that game? Is Daniel Slander the owner? No, because we're we're taking you at your word that the sale is happening. Um, it's hard for me to even answer that because that hypothetical. I don't think you're getting in the door. I don't think you're getting in the door for less than like three thousand dollars. Yeah. Um. So. Jack, yes. should I go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, is the question. One hundred percent. I I could tell okay. where you're going with that, and I can speak from a little bit of uh, indirect experience. So my my parents went to the Super Bowl in 19, the ninety one season, the ninety two Super Bowl in That's Minneapolis cool. when the Redskins won thirty seven to twenty four. Well, that's awesome. There. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was the third uh, Super Bowl win that the franchise has had, and so. I got to think that if I ever had the chance and I was kind of living that rise to a Super Bowl run, I would look and be like, well, my, my dad has done it. I, I think I need to do it too. And not only that, the fact that it's been 30 years makes oh, yeah. it more. I can't enticing. even fathom because I just don't like, they're never going to win until Snyder is gone. And what a better segue into kind of talking about off the field things. And, and there are two things that I wanted to talk about. Um, Commander Sale, it, there's been kind of conflicting reports, or I, I don't mean to kind of take off. Like, are you good to move on to this topic? Yeah, I've got like 15 minutes. Yeah, so do I. So JP Finley came out and said the sale will be done soon. And between, is he the same person that said? Is he the same person that said Bezos is out? He was the one that said Bezos is out, but not fully out. Okay. And the reason that that is coming out um, is there's now been reports that Snyder's looking to sell the majority of his stake in the franchise, and that makes me worry. That, that I think, I think ultimately it's going to happen. But from a timetable standpoint, who would go into business with him? 
because Josh Harris would. Right. And so that was a name that I wanted to bring up that's come out a lot. You certainly have experience with him as he is the current <laughs> owner of the Philadelphia Sixers, correct? And the New Jersey Devils. So he would be covering he would be covering Philadelphia corridor. Philadelphia, New York, New York ish. Yeah, and New York DC. Ninety five corridor. Um I think the Mary Jo Wilson report is waiting to be released whenever the sale is final. Um, I'm just starting to get nervous. Not about, ultimately, I think he's going to sell. It's just the timeline that I'm I'm worried about. The Nationals are also going through a sale right now. But what do you want in an owner? Anyone else. I don't. I understand. I, I totally understand that because by all accounts, Dan Snyder is the worst owner in sports. I've heard that mostly from you, but also yeah. from what I can gather. Um, yes, anyone but, else but would anyway, be an upgrade. What I'm, what, I'm, what I'm worried about for you mm-hmm. is that if you get Josh Harris, you're getting someone that's not fully invested in the team winning. Perfect. They're fully invested in making money. Fine. Go away. Just okay. Look, I I think from a per, from, I feel like if in I could, twenty years we're gonna have the same conversation. Well, maybe he won't be there twenty. Years. Maybe, but Josh Harris also clearly showed the commitment to like whether the Harden move works out. He did not shy away from making a move that he felt like made the team better. And that what a, what other move could they have made? Oh, now he just wants to cut our first round pick from last year to get under the the luxury yeah. tax. But right, but that could be because he's trying to raise capital for a big purchase. <sighs> Whatever. But look, the hiring of Doc Rivers. I know you have. Conflicting feelings about Doc Rivers. Right. But what I'm saying is from an outside viewer with no knowledge of the Sixers like you have, I see a pretty stable organization from the player side and putting a product together to win as many games as possible. Comparing the NBA and the NFL is right. Right. But. Yeah, you're gonna structure standpoint. You don't want Rivera, and there's no no salary cap for coaches. So if your owner's willing to pay for a coach, then he's willing to pay for a coach. So what I I do think shows some similarities between NBA and NFL. Yes, but back to your original question: What do I want from an owner? I want an owner that's going to come in and fire Ron Rivera as fast as possible. uh, Put in a seven seven forty seven. Yes. Put it on a structure on the football side of the business that is stable. You have a general manager. You have a coach. They are separate. I want someone that fully believes to hire an offensive young mind. And I want someone to rebrand this entire franchise. And honestly, anything but commanders. And I think that's going to happen because I believe the report will come out after the sale. Wow. And Every it's going to be so bad. And this is just another rebrand. Yes. And I think it's going to be so bad that they're not going to want to have anything tied to the previous regime of Dan Snyder. And the commanders are going to be kind of tied in with Daniel Snyder because the Redskins will be able to live on with the three Super Bowls. And then the commander's era will be tied to the fall of Daniel Snyder. So a rebrand makes total sense. And that's what I want. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think another, a third, would you call it a third rebrand? Was the Washington football team a rebrand? No, that was like a. A placeholder. Yeah. It's like an interim coach. Like that for whatever I, I, reason. I, Look, they're so dumb. They're so I think dumb. they yeah, oh, no, no, I think I they should I gotta stop. But I I think yeah. they should do that, but I think that might be a pipe dream. It's But you're it's, saying that's realistic. Like like Oh yeah, no, probable? I think that's re- I think that's probable. For a lot um, of reasons. I would um, be they're gonna a, need as an outsider, I would be very interested in that. Yeah. Um they should have done the Red Wolves. I know yes. you said Red Hogs. That works Either too. Either one. But the Red, Don't care. I, I, heard, I saw all these posts about, can you imagine if they yep. were the Red Wolves and everyone was howling at a night Oh, game? yeah, be awesome. Like, yeah, that would be cool. 
So the other thing that I wanted to talk about, and we touched on it, uh, is the Lamar situation. Uh, fascinating. Seeing a lot of photoshops. It's a, a lot. lot there's a lot going on, and I'm not saying he's coming here. That's not why I wanted to touch on it. But I do have experience he watching. He might, look, yeah, he might. Um, but I have a lot of experience watching the quarterback, Kirk Cousins, who we talked about, and, and a fight with management about their contract. Um, it certainly doesn't look good, but what I wanted to bring up, and I know I brought up Robert Griffin the last week, I'm pretty sure his baby is still not born. What a fraud. <laughs> but so he comes on the junkies every week. And he's all what also bothers me, he comes onto the show, but he's always doing something else. So the reception of the line is always terrible because you know he's so busy and he's just so in demand that he makes a commitment to this radio show, but never like puts in the time to pause what he's doing to make sure that the audio is good. That's number one. Is that a shot at me being in my car? No, not at all. Okay. (laughs) But you're not like doing other things. You're not driving and then losing reception. And then it's like, right. Wait, is it? Oh yes. To clarify, I have been stationary in my car this whole time. But what I wanted to bring up in relate in regards to the Lamar situation is Robert Griffin said the most ridiculous thing. And he says something ridiculous almost every week, but this one takes the cake. He has compared his knee injury to what Lamar is going through. And yes, there are similarities from what RG3 did in 2012. He won Rookie of the Year. He put together statistics that no other rookie quarterback has ever had and took that team on a run. Ultimately, he tore his knee up and the rest is history. But he said, He advocated for Lamar because a lot of stuff was coming out that he didn't travel with the team, blah, blah, blah. He should be playing, and but Lamar didn't. Robert Griffin on live radio said that he played through his injury in 2012 so Lamar didn't have to this weekend. Oh, God. What an enormous piece of shit. <laughs> Get over yourself <laughs> and the one year that you had in this league. Get over yourself. Yeah, yeah. RG3, RG3 wasn't staring down the barrel of $250 million fully guaranteed. No. I understand that if he continued on his trajectory, he was going to make a lot of money, but that's Lamar has been doing it for four years at a high level. I played, so Lamar doesn't have to. Yeah, that's that's nuts. The entitlement, the the narcissism that comes out when you, oh my God. Yeah, and and we've touched on this podcast. We never really know about how bad injuries are. Nobody else is in his shoes. But the amount of people that feel okay speaking on it, like Mike Vick telling him to put a brace on it and go play. Right. And... It's just, I, I have know. no idea what's going to happen. All I know is that all, this offseason is going to be very fascinating to watch. Um, For sure. And those are the two things I wanted to bring up. And I think we're coming pretty close to the end. Is there anything that you wanted to bring? Well, we only have three more weeks of football. You took so... the words right out of my mouth. That's, what, that's how I was going to kind of end the show. We are going into uncharted territory here on... The Jack and Tuck pod. There could be some changes around the corner that Tucker and I have been talking about offline. Uh, certainly could be some segments that could potentially be more entertainment related, not necessarily sports yes. related. But yeah, we're coming up on uncharted territory. The NFL is going to end at some point. Now, the offseason is always really easy to talk about topics and, and what's going on in the NFL will certainly always give us things, but uh, we're going to have to show some range. We're going to have to show yes. some depth and uh, new things will be coming. So we, we certainly hope you come back. There could be some an, an entertainment segment uh, for sure. Kind of kick for around sure. uh, that I think could bring some new listeners. Uh, and we look forward to seeing where this podcast is going to go. So with that, I think that is a wrap for the 10th episode. Right now of, it's going to go to work. We are both going to work. <laughs> so 
I have to get on a call right now. All right. I will see you later. Thanks for listening. Love you, Tuck. Love you, too. I enjoyed it. See you, buddy.